Hello and welcome to Take Me Through Your Day. On this episode, we have a lead family resource specialist. And uh, I gotta say, this is a really fun episode. I really like doing this one. Not only is it our season three finale, if you've listened to the Rural Postal Carrier episode, there's a really fun callback at the end of that. And uh, I don't know, it's a good time. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, as per usual, if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, we can be reached at TakeMeTYD on all social media and TakeMeTYD at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. So what do you do for a living? Like, what's your title? Um, it's called Lead Family Resource Specialist. Okay. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? <laughs> um, let's see. I basically... Even though my title's lead family resource specialist, I basically do kind of four facets to my job. Like I'm a home visitor, so mm-hmm. I go in homes. Um, I also intake people, so when they call, I give them information. Uh, what else do I do? I enroll, copy, track, all that stuff. So like, where other Head Start programs just do one part of that job, I do all of it for like 140 families. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Let me rephrase the question a little bit. <laughs> can you explain it to me to, 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 can you dumb it down for me? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> so basically, okay, let's start. So basically what I do is I get phone calls from people who just look for child care information. Oh, okay. Um, we have a center-based program, which I am located in the area. Mm-hmm. So the center-based program, basically my location has seven programs and it's based on income. Um, but there is also private pay. So if you're a parent that wants to privately put your child in, you can go there as well. But there's also programs for pa- families that don't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And there's like an income skew, so I can enroll them into those programs determining their income. All right. So I usually get that when they enroll. So when they call and they get information, I ask them to send me income. I meet with them. I go over their income to see what they're eligible for. I enroll them in that program. And then basically they follow the rules of that program. But I'm also supposed to monitor them to make sure that they're following the rules of that program, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So like, I don't know if you've ever heard of pre-K counts. Everyone no, usually no, knows pre-K not. counts. It's like the new thing. Um, so we have Head Start. We have Early Head Start. We have pre-K counts. We have daycare. We have this program called Early Head Start CCP. Um, kind of a variety. And like, they all have benefits to them. Mm-hmm. But like, it's really based on your income to like, kind of determine where you go. Okay. So I do like everything. I'm also crowd control. <laughs> so right. like most home visitors aren't stationed at the center. I am. So like I am watching families. I am monitoring if they're doing things they shouldn't be doing like drugs, alcohol. Um, if there's child abuse going on in the home, I'm also the one reporting it. Uh, there's a lot that we see at the center every day. Sometimes we have a lot of domestic disputes at the center of our custody, so I'm kind of like the crowd control. So they literally have hearings there? No, but parents will come and fight and dispute the custody order, so like we have to intervene and basically uphold it, or we have to intervene with all of that. The dogs are fine. It's all right. (laughs) Jesus. Could you got a lot of bone? All right, good. So we have a general base here. So yeah. let's go back into around high school. 
Okay. Did you have any idea what you wanted to do in those high school years? <clears throat> yeah, I wanted to do music. Okay. So, like, when I first was growing up in high school, you know, just going through everything, I was in chorus. Um, I was singing. I was taking professional vocal lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing different stuff in the area. That's what I honestly thought I was going to do. Like, that was my gear was I was going to do something with music. I wasn't exactly sure what, but that was honestly what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then... I kind of didn't. It was kind of like a pivotal point in my life for me. Like my great grandmother had passed away who I was really close with. And then my aunt who lived with her was disabled, moved away because no one could care for her. And then on top of it, I lost a really close friend in high school. So I think I kind of went through like a dark period and I just didn't do anything. Then I just didn't do anything after I graduated. So then I, you know, after sitting and thinking, do I really want to be in fast food or retail? I had to do something. And at that point I was like, I'll just go to community college and see what happens. Yeah. So I did. And then, you know, you can go for a couple of years until you can figure out what you want to do. And everyone was like, you're so good at talking to people. You're so good at counseling. Why don't you do that? And that's basically how I went into psychology. Okay, was there a teacher that specifically, like, pushed you in that direction? I would say friends and family. Friends and family? Because, like, everyone would be like, you seem so good at this. Why don't you do that instead? And, you know, and I was like, well, I I really do, like, care, and I do want to help. I do want to make a difference. So maybe that's where I need to go. So then I started going to school. I went to Pitt Greensburg, and I went and finished my bachelor's degree in psychology. Okay. That's a pretty... Pretty straight shot, but since you brought it up, the music career, the idea there, Mm. it just completely fell off, or was there any kind of facet to your life that you were still kind of incorporating with that idea? Well, I did still, for a period of time, I stopped doing it, and then I started, I would say my, like, late 20s, well, no, I would say, like, my early 20s, right when I was going in my junior year of college, I started to, like, go back into it and take professional vocal lessons again. But I kept thinking, like, where am I going to go with this financially? Like, how is this going to bring me money? You know, I mean, it's one thing if you can get in, but it's very hard to get in with, like, the Pittsburgh Opera or um, to even do anything music-wise, to, like, do anything professionally music-wise. It just didn't seem Well, I mean, is that would that have been the ultimate goal, is to getting in with the opera or something like that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I always wanted to travel. If you would have asked me, like, when I was, like, 18, I probably would have told you my goal was to go to NYU in New York because mm-hmm. I always wanted to go to New York and study music because it's such a huge mecca yeah. for music and everything, and that's what I kind of wanted to do. And it's just a series of events that led me other directions. I okay. would say it was it was a hobby. It's a shame I don't do it as much as I used to. I used to sing all the time, but I don't do it now. And I played clarinet for years. I self-taught myself how to play piano and other instruments. So, awesome. like, I can do that. I just got away from it because it didn't seem financially responsible. Yeah, I mean, anyone that kind of has that artist path, there's always <laughs> that crossroads of, like, can I just do this and be broke? Or, yeah, like, exactly. It didn't exactly sound great. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so that's kind of why I got away from it. I mean, I miss it. I won't lie. Like, there's times where I'm like, who knows where I could have been if I would have just kept pursuing it. But then I didn't, so... Well, everybody's got a little bit of that. Yeah. So, um, let's go back to college. You're done. You mm-hmm. pretty much once you've made your mind up that way, you just had that trajectory and just. Yeah, I just it took me two years to find the job that I eventually started. The company I started with that I kind of grew. Well, yeah. Let's go from there. So okay. you graduate 
college. What's the next move there? Do you have like an internship or something no. like that? That's the one thing I regretted about going to Pitt Greensburg. They didn't do an internship program. Okay. Um, if I would tell anybody that was going to go to school, I would say make sure that you're you have some kind of an internship. Um, I think it really does help. At least it gives you a chance to see what you're really going to do. It's one thing to graduate with a major. It's another thing to actually do what they tell you you're going to do with that major. Exactly. <laughs> so like, so basically, it was really hard to get a job because I didn't have experience in anything. Um, you know, I, I did babysitting, but it wasn't like anything where I worked with families on any kind of a issue or anything. So I thought, well, I'll take my civil service test, which I did numerous times, but I still couldn't get in. It's hard to get in, you know, with the government. It just yeah. really is. So I looked at a couple different jobs. I was waiting tables while I was still going on interviews. Couldn't get anything. I mean, I would go on interviews and I would I would be there for like, a, you know, an hour and I'd be like, no way do I want to do this. Like, it just seemed like chaos. Yeah. And I just was like, this isn't my thing. I didn't want to be a TSS. I knew that. I didn't enjoy that part of, you know, going into people's homes and dealing with their children. Yeah. I just knew that that was not my thing, mm -hmm. like to deal with behaviors. And plus, I didn't want to teach. You know, some people know that they want to be a teacher. That's great. I didn't want to do it. So I was kind of interviewing for places but the problem was I couldn't get anything anything that I was interested in I couldn't get my foot in the door because I didn't have any kind of experience now was that the biggest roadblock <laughs> the no experience or was it a lot of people kind of fighting for the same opening well I think any good job when you're you have that degree social worker psychology you're competing against a lot of people yeah that's because they're far and few <laughs> that you can get a good job but I think also, I think a good part of it was experience because they would say, well, what are you doing? And I would be waiting tables. Yeah. So I didn't have anything that I could say, well, you know, I did this or I did that. So like I didn't really have any kind of experience to bring, you know, to bring to the table. So I think that was something I regret. Maybe, and I might have changed my major, honestly, if I had known what I was going to get into. Yeah. I might have changed my major and thought maybe this just isn't long term for me, you know. But um, I ended up landing with my company through basically a friend of the family said, hey, the place that I'm working for is currently hiring someone. Are you interested? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll come in for an interview. I had never heard of the company. I never heard of even what the person, the title. Like yeah. I was like, I've never, I don't even know what that person does. What was the title at the time? At the time it was Family Resource Specialist. So it was okay. FRS. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> I had no idea. I went in for the interview and, uh, you know, it was a panel of women that interviewed me, not just one. It was like a panel. And they asked me all kinds of questions of just about life, like how I would handle a scenario if it came at me. And so basically I interviewed and they called me within like a few weeks and said, you know, we would like to offer you the job. But that time there was restructuring going on in the company. So that actually the job that I applied for was not the one that I ended up getting hired for. Okay. If that makes sense. So yeah, like, I mean, that happens. So, like, I applied for, I think it was the family resource coordinator position. And they were like, oh, no, we, we want you to <laughs> we want you to interview for this position. And I was like, oh, okay. So I still went in for the interview. And then it was like they tried to determine a location to figure out where I'd best fit. Yeah. So. I mean, that would make sense. I'm surprised more places don't do <clears throat> yeah. stuff like that. Like, let's, let's feel you out first, and then we'll find where we want to put I you. I don't know. It was intimidating. I no, mean, that's... Yeah, I imagine very intimidating, but... It yeah. seems kind of practical. Yeah, and it was kind of like it's a little bit like it was, you know, I mean, it was definitely something I wasn't used to because I never even heard of half the stuff that they were doing. And I'm like, oh, okay. So 
It had nothing to do with counseling, but I do do that aspect of my job. But yeah, I was, I brought in and kind of, they, I was hired for two locations and the girl ended up training me quit. And there was no one in my department at that point. And there was like eight locations. So it was kind of like, where do you want to go? (laughs) So then I kind of picked the locations that I the one I'm still at, but you know what I mean. I picked those two locations. Okay, so you're still at the same position right now. Um, yeah, but I moved up. Okay. So like now I oversee, I kind of oversee other girls. So when my boss, um, hurt when she went on maternity leave, I wasn't left in charge of everybody. So I would do, I would do their schedules, like get their schedules from them. You know, fix their timesheets, stuff like that. Um, I would sign off on incomes. Basically, just manage them to make sure that they're doing what they're doing, mm-hmm. and I would kind of fill in for her if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes so sense. like any, if she's off on vacation or for whatever it is, I'm left in charge. So I kind of worked my way up, but I also have the largest center. So I also have the largest center, and that kind of is why, you know, I have I'm the lead, more or less, because I have yeah. all the programs. <laughs> oh, okay, so. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's dog shenanigans over here for all the listeners. Um, <laughs> he never does this. Okay, no. come here. All right, there we go. Okay. Okay, so now that we've established the trajectory pretty fast, um, yeah. let's let's go through your day. Okay. So what time do you wake up in the morning? Four, anywhere from 4.15 to 4.30. Okay, is that something you set an alarm for? or um, The dogs are my alarm. Okay, that works. But I, I have set, I do set an alarm, but they usually wake up prior to the alarm. Okay. Um, so. All right, so you wake up then. Yeah. What's the morning routine like? Just walk me through the general beats of the morning. Okay. Well, when I get up before, between 4.15 and 4.30, I walk the dogs. Okay. And, you know, we go for a walk. We come back, I feed them, get them their medicine if they are on medicine at the time. And then I basically kind of start getting myself ready. Okay. Um, I pack my lunch, all that, you know, get dressed, put makeup on or whatever. And then I leave. I usually about a quarter after, I'd say like, what, a quarter after, 10 after, 7, somewhere around that time. And you then squeeze I, it in <clears throat> breakfast or coffee or anything? I do. I eat breakfast. Um, it's For a while there was eggs and avocados, and now I'm yeah. on to a protein shake. Okay. Because everything makes me sick. So um, so, so now I'm on to that because it seems like it's easier on my stomach. But yeah, and then that's, and I head straight to work. And I okay. work about 20 minutes. Is it a 20-minute commute? Are you listening to anything in that? Duration? Podcast. Podcast? I listen to podcasts. I listen to sometimes music, but mostly podcasts. Any any favorites? Anything you want to shout out? Um, well, they're kind of embarrassing. Good. Bring it up. <laughs> Um, I have Perez Hill that yeah. I listen to. What's his? I'm trying to think. Yeah. PHP. I listen to that. And I listen to Teen Mom Trash Talk, which <laughs> okay. is funny because what I do for a living is I deal with teen moms, you know? Uh, but... So you just want the overload. <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's good. All right. You get to work. What's the first move? Is it, um, you pull into like a parking lot, a parking garage? Yeah, I what pull into it? a parking lot. I actually have, believe it or not, I now actually have my own parking space, but it's due to where we're at. Okay. Like it's kind of because at any point in time I could leave mm-hmm. and be pulled out and I have to go somewhere and that does happen. Maybe there's an emergency, somebody needs help at another location, and I go. So that's kind of well, that's good. You get your own spot. That's... I have like my own spot. People still steal it. Yeah, of <laughs> but I have my own spot. Of course. <laughs> but right. I earned it. I tell everybody I earned it. Exactly, I earned it. 
Um, what do you do when you get in there? What are the, what are the first kind of... Sometimes moves? I'm being chased from the parking lot into the building because somebody needs to change their schedule. Okay. Or they need to talk to me about something that has happened. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we have people might have a custody order, a new custody order that happened, you know, over the night. Or something happened. We need to change my days. I need, I need to change my days. I need to talk to you. I need to, you know, go over all this stuff with you and stuff. But... I'm getting, usually I could barely make it in my office. Yeah. Like I'm sticking the key in my office door to unlock it and I'm getting like bombarded with everybody. So that's usually. Okay. So this, you handle the chaos and then yeah. you get into your office and then what's, what's the atmosphere like? What do you, what do you? Well, I comment, I try to have an agenda. Okay. However, it depends on what's the needs of the center at that point. Okay. So sometimes I come in and the agenda is, like, I'll make a list of things I need to get done. I'll stick it on the center of my desk when I come in. But sometimes, like, something happens and I'm dealing with that. You know? Now, is this a list you make the night before or something you when make I leave, as you get there? I try to. I okay. try to make a list of things that I want to, like, execute the next day. Um, you know, like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to contact the following people. So I usually make a list. So as soon as I come in, I know exactly what I have to do as soon as I get there. Um, and usually priority goes first on mm-hmm. the top of the list. But sometimes I come in and there's been an emergency. Like we've had families come in and, you know, the child is having a breathing treatment. And the parent needs, you know, information. I need to get information from the medicine that the child's taking. And so sometimes that, like, goes to the back burner. And I'm dealing with that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Are these things you're dealing with over the phone primarily? No, in person. Right. You're in person. Yeah, most of them. Yeah. Now, um, just give me an idea of the location that you're at and the atmosphere of what's going on there. Cause like in my head I was picturing an office and now I'm picturing that there's people actually there yeah. being handled. It's an old school building. Okay. Okay. So like it was an old elementary school. Mm-hmm. They purchased it and they renovated it and made it into, I think there's seven classrooms. Yeah. There's seven classrooms. And then there's two offices. There's me and then there's center director. Oh. The center director controls the staff for the center. I control the parents if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, I'm doing their schedules, the parents' uh, children's schedules, and I'm giving them to her so she can staff for the center. Right. So we have to work close together. Like, I have to be good at my job to help her be good at hers. Okay. So kind of, you know, as a partnership. But, yeah, I'm, like, in the heart of the center. So yeah, you, I'm very always available. That's I'm I, very I'm available. Really, yeah, I, I just I don't know too much about this at all. So I'm really coming to this with no clue. Sorry, now I'm getting a better idea for it. Yeah. So <laughs> you handle the high priority stuff and then just take me through a couple of the the first beats of the day. Just Well, usually I try to call back. We get a lot of applications that come in several different ways mm-hmm. through the mail or online. Okay. We have a program called Child Plus, mm-hmm. which is where I get a lot of stuff from parents and I put a lot of stuff into the system. So I get an application. I try to contact them, you know, in a timely manner. We usually say in 24-hour turnaround time. Call them and make sure you get, and then pull information from them. Because ultimately the goal is to keep the programs full, but also to gain a waiting list. Yeah. So we're trying to do all of that and collect everything so I can maintain both parts. Yeah. So basically that's what I do. I would say my, and sometimes I'm working on resources. We have a lot of families, believe it or not, this past year it's been pretty bad. The need has like quadrupled. Really? Like what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that? Um, is there any direct causes? Or? The economy, I think, is a yeah. huge part of it. We have families that are living paycheck to paycheck, and 
they just can't afford, you know, they don't have, like, we've had a lot of families that lost everything. They are living out of a homeless shelter, so I'm trying to find them, you know, a bed, you know, table, anything, you think minimal things. I And sometimes I don't know that until I do a home visit, but a lot of them, if they, because I develop a relationship with them, so they'll come in and they'll say to me, you know, I need, is there any way you can get me three beds for my kids? Do you know where to find that stuff? Um, <clears throat> sometimes they'll say, I don't have a table. I don't have any appliances in my kitchen. Can you, you know, do you know who, who to reach out to to get that stuff? So I'm working on that. I'm making contacts to work on that. Is that something that you handle yourself? Or yes. do you have special services to Well, we have partnerships. I have partnerships, but I... You, and you learn some from different people that you work with. Like the Children's Bureau comes in and we talk. And so like from doing different partnerships with people, I learn of things that I didn't know. So I usually try to reach out to those people first and see if they can give me any, you know, leverage to here's Here's a tip. I know that they have this. Reach out to so-and-so and they can get that. So there are partnerships. But it is kind of sometimes it's just where do I get it? Yeah. You know, because, I mean, I think everyone's kind of, stressed and I would say stressed out to the point where they're maxed out where you know I know beds for every kid I think there's like a four-month waiting list Mm -hmm. which is sad when you have kids that don't have a place to sleep so yeah so if you can donate yeah absolutely (laughs) but that's that's what I'm saying are these all like just charitable organizations or are these things like Goodwill or Goodwill St. Vincent Paul um Sisters of Charity Catholic Charities um so you have like a big pool of that type of stuff to, yeah, to pick Yeah, but it's from. So, it's still hard. Oh no, yeah, I imagine. It's, it's really hard rough. to find stuff. Um I'm very fortunate because of my location too, cuz like I said I have private pay parents. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my private pay parents are pretty well off that if I put say it's something I've been working on for a while and I can't get it, I'll put a sign on the door and I'll send like notices home, "Can you please donate the following things?" Uh-huh. And I will get a lot of donations from families. Oh, that's awesome. So if I can't get it one way, I usually try to do in-house, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, are there any strange requests you get in that type of... I mean, I can't... That just off the top of my head. No, just... I mean, the weirdest... I guess sometimes I take for granted the things that I have and that you would need. Like, for an example, Christmas tree. Okay. I totally wouldn't think of getting a Christmas tree, but we had a family that didn't have any Christmas trees for their children. So, like... That was a weird resource to like try to find. Yeah, that's kind of what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, like so that. like a Christmas tree, like decorations or Halloween costumes. People can't okay. afford that. So we try to reach out to different places. and Or I have parents that are done at the end of the year with their Halloween costumes. So I try to get them donated and we wash them at the center and keep them there. Yeah, that's awesome. So we try to do that. All right, cool. So um, through, let's say about lunchtime. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else going on in that window? Um, it could be anything. It could be parents fighting outside. Okay, um, well let's let's take let's so take this opportunity like... to throw some stories in here. Do you have any stories that really stand out? I have a lot of stories that can stand out. <laughs> um, we've had, I mean, I've had everything. I've had parents that have um, been arrested outside. Okay. Um, somebody followed them to the center and figured out their kids go there, and they had oh. a bench warrant. You know, and uh-huh. so they've been arrested outside. I've had domestic disputes are like the most common that happen at the center. And those are the most uncomfortable for everyone. I've had yeah. drunk and high parents come and pick their children up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've had parents that <laughs> actually are like involved in the government, drunk, and come and pick their children uh-huh. up. So that presents another challenge. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> that's an awkward exchange with someone. I'm trying to think of like the weirdest thing that we've ever had happen. I mean, we have a lot of like, apparently our parking lot is um, a, a cesspool for people having sex because we find used condoms outside all the time and like bras and underwear. Like our maintenance guy is so mad most days because <laughs> he's got to go out there and like clean it up. So like, I don't know. Apparently it is. It's a popular spot. Um, That's very strange. <laughs> no, you would think a daycare you wouldn't want to go. But, like, he's always coming in and he's like, you're never going to believe what I just found. And I'm like, we're never surprised. We're always like, oh, my God. You know, like, what's going on out there? I'm trying to think of other stuff. Like, it's mostly the domestic disputes. Okay, well, let's talk about that for a second. (laughs) When it comes to the domestic disputes and stuff, not only does that sound, like, crazy stressful, but do you have, like, security? No. We have a security system. We have a camera. That's it. And a security lock to get in, but we don't have any security. So that is scary because you never know if someone's going to bring a gun, I mean. and especially in this day and age. Yeah, if they're already down the domestic yeah. problem rabbit hole, like who knows what they're capable of. Yeah, it's of. pretty bad. So who physically handles that if something gets out of hand? Is that, is that it's you? It's me and the center director. Wow. Mm-hmm. So we usually have to intervene. Like it's usually one of us has to intervene. Um I, and like, it's something I, you learn things as you grow, as you get older, like things that you're apparently really good at. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm really good at is mediating. Like everyone's always said it. Anyone I've ever worked with was like, you're so good at like mediating with people that are angry. Like I can get them to calm down to the point where they can just be civil. And I don't know how I know how to do it. I'll be honest with you. It's just like something I must have learned on the job. But like. I'm really good at it. And, like, everyone usually... I've done it for other centers where they've had me on, like, the phone with someone trying to mediate between two parents to calm down. Yeah. Because, you know, here's the thing. Most people that are fighting, nine times out of ten, it's because they're not listening to each other. Like, one person, they're trying to out-scream each other and they're not listening and they're just angry. Yeah. So, like, they don't want to take a step back, take, you know, calm down and just try to figure out why they're fighting in the first place you know, kind of like where they're at. But yeah, that's usually what it is. It's usually domestic disputes and it's me and the center director in the middle of them. That's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable because you're like, your child comes here. You shouldn't be fighting at the same, at the safe place. This is our safe safe place. place. And you're fighting right in front of your child. (laughs) So like... Yeah, that's... Yeah. I mean, as stressful as it is, it's like, well... It's interesting. Like, every day has yeah. got to be a new challenge yeah. I mean, if you're into that kind of thing. I mean, it's I mean, it's not enjoyable for either one of us. No, no, like, no, I didn't mean it like that. No, but, just, like, when it happens, it it's it's over either not following the custody order, which nobody wants to follow. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, we can't dictate if you follow it or not. We have to follow it. Number two, it's just trying to calm people down. I mean, I've had people that are, I'm, I'm taking this kid and I'm running. And I'm like, no one's taking a kid. <laughs> no one's running. And then usually we do call the police. If, mm-hmm. if it seems like it's real heightened, there's usually like one of us will look to, there's other teachers. We'll kind of say, hey, we might need to call the police just so you know. And if we do, we're going to let you know. And they, are, they have phones in their room. You yeah. need to call them and tell them that there's a domestic dispute. They need to get here immediately. Because the police will come. 
No. You know, we try not to do it all the time because it doesn't, like, it's... Yeah, nobody wants to be the person no, that's always calling the cops. No, like, we try to, I try to break it up before it gets to that point. But if it doesn't, then we're, you know, we've had someone threaten to grab the kid and run. So then we're, you know, singling, hey, you need to call the police. Now, I know this is something that you're naturally good at, but is there any kind of training or protocol when it comes to this kind of stuff? That... No. Okay, so it's just like, you figure it out. Well, kind of. I mean, I don't want to, like, throw the, the job under the bus, but that's kind of how it was. When I first got hired, no one trained. I had one, a girl train me. She was there for one week. And, like, I don't know if you've ever, like, if you work for a government program, we have Head Start and state-funded. So there's a lot of rules and regulations. It, like, I didn't know what I was doing. The first week I was left alone, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't know what to do first, like, when I first came in. And I kind of learned... As I went, like I started reading things and just try to, I guess I'm like a self-starter. Like I don't well, really need yeah. anybody to help me. Like I kind of just figured my own way out. That's good. And I'm also just trying to like pepper that in for like if someone's listening that wants to get into this yeah. type of job, like what are You got to be motivated. It's, yeah. You got to You got to be yourself. motivated and you got to, like I read a lot. I go on, well, and I'm like, I'm an investigator. You know, like okay, everyone let's, let's always says about it about that. me. Yeah. I have great investigative skills. <laughs> so, like, I know when I'm being lied to. I don't know. I just have, like, a sixth sense. So when someone comes in and they're like, I have a custody order and dad's not allowed to see the child. And I ch I'm very, like, objective. I never – I'm not the parent's friend. I think sometimes they think that you are because they meet me and I, they have a close relationship with me. But I always am objective. It's never about them. It's about the kid. So, like, I don't always believe everything they tell me, especially yeah. if it sounds fishy. Like, if they're like, oh, you know, no, you know. I, I do some investigative work. I've learned websites. I've <clears throat> kind of found things on my own, and I did some digging. Like, I know how to do digging to find out if I'm being lied to. Like what? I mean, you don't have to divulge um, everything, but, like, give me a If they say idea, they have a court but... order or they're married, I look okay, it up. Okay, you can look that up. Okay. If they say that they were convicted of a certain crime, I've become really good at reading the codes mm -hmm. on the docket site, so I know what they mean. I know that they were or they weren't, or they're, you know, not telling me anything. Um I'm trying to think of other stuff. Uh, pending crimes that could yeah. be coming up. You know what I mean? I look into that. Um, bigger stuff that I... Sometimes people lie about their kid's age. Why would you do that? Because they want free funding. So, oh, so they're like age cutoffs for certain <clears throat> things? So. Yeah, so yeah. I have to dig that up. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's just a matter of pulling up birth certificates or... Um, it's The internet is quite useful, which mm -hmm. is a little scary because there's a lot of information on the internet. Yeah. If you go digging. Um, but it's quite useful. Uh, sometimes we have my nurse. I will call her in and she has access to databases okay. for like medical records. So she can go in there and she could find out the child's date of birth. Oh, okay. Convenient. And that has happened a couple of times where we found kids that were lying about their age. Now, by lying, you just mean like by like a year or two? Or like, yeah, by like, like a year. Okay. Let's yeah. see how egregious they got. No. Like, no, 13-year-old's <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> No, like a year. Usually it's like a year. Like, it's that's, always That's like that. where I figured it would probably be. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. I ain't going to ask. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure we're going to get back into more stories, but let's take it to lunch. What are you doing for lunch? What time are you doing it? What are you doing for it? It kind of, that's the part about the job that's hard. Yeah. Sometimes I don't get a lunch. Yeah. Um, sometimes my lunch is really late. 
Sometimes it's really early. Sometimes it's just where it it's, fits it in the day. You get it where you get yeah, it. Yeah, it's like kind of, yeah. it's kind of, I, I call myself, a, like we're firemen. We put out fires constantly all mm-hmm. day long. We have a lot of kids with behavioral issues too. Yeah. So sometimes when that strikes, I'm being pulled from my desk to go into the room to assist a teacher to, you know, calm yeah. things down. Um, when I have a lunch break, I always pack my lunch. Mm-hmm. Ideally, I like to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't always happen. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, are you packing a lunch that's like conducive to like running and grabbing no. stuff? Or Usually, is this... like I'll tr- I try to eat healthy just because of it's really easy to eat crappy yeah. like, for the job. I mean, honestly, that's, it is. Yeah, that's what I it's really easy to eat crappy. So I usually try to eat like a salad, you know, protein, vegetable. And I can I can pick at it. I guess I could eat parts of it and then go. And yeah. I have done that sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I'm eating a portion of it while I'm on the phone with somebody or, you know, I'm going, I'm coming back in after I have to go into a room and I'm coming back in and finishing it. So it's sporadic wherever you can get your break. All right. But the teachers have it sweet because, like, they always eat in the kitchen – our center has a full-service kitchen, so oh, they okay. feed all the staff. But unfortunately, like, I don't get fed, and neither does the center director. Any particular reason why, or just because you're busy? Um, I, You have to be with the children. You have to be okay. 100% with the children in order to receive a free meal. Okay. So, all right, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it just sucks, because sometimes it's like, you know, you're like, oh, that'd be really great that I could just eat here. But unfortunately, you don't. I mean, is it good food, or is it, like, cafeteria-level um, food? No, I think it's pretty decent food. We they yeah. pretty healthy. I mean, do a, I don't really enjoy... They took all the sugar out of everything, so it's kind of... Like, for example, you can have pancakes, but you can't have syrup. You have to have unsweetened applesauce with it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So what that, provoked like, that? I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. High levels of sugar, and that's in syrup. And the same thing with juice. They're not allowed any juice at all. I just mean like that's that's so strange. Yeah, it is strange. Like I, I'm, I'm doing this thing right now. I'm trying to stay off sugar, and it's yeah. been like a week, and it's just like there's sugar in everything. It's in everything. It's in everything. Yeah. And just to have a whole place just implement that, yeah. like that seems pretty intense. Well, and like you know, and they also do healthy foods for the kids that they've never had, like hummus. They'll give them yeah. like a snack of hummus and vegetables, where some of them have never had that. They'll yeah, give them guacamole, <laughs> where they've never had that, and everything's made in our kitchen, so it's not processed. You, no, you know I mean? I'm, I'm all for it. This is this is fantastic. Yeah, but you're not allowed to eat it. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then there's some stuff that I would never eat. Like, I just feel like they eat a lot of pasta. Yeah. So sugar, no, but carbs. The, yeah, donuts. like it seems like a lot of carbs and cheeses and pasta. That's what I always say. It seems like a lot of that, but at least it's not a lot of sugar. No, it's great. Um, how long has that been uh, a thing, and how did that get implemented? Well, we have a program called CACFP. Okay. It's through the government. Mm-hmm. It's the same program that's in the school district. Um, I don't know how they get passes in the school district, though, where they, you know, how they don't have, like, the necessarily healthy meals. But what they do is they give us a reimbursement, but they also track us. So they come in and they look at the meals, they see what the kids are eating, and they're making sure that we're following the food pyramid, yeah. um, the program. And if you're not, you could lose your funding through that, and it's mm-hmm. a pretty significant funding for us. Because we don't get, the problem with when you have grants, you don't get raises for what the cost of food going up. Yeah. Yeah, it's set. Mm. It's a set level of income. They don't even give you the cost of raise for buying stuff for the classroom. So, like, yeah. a lot of that, you know, unfortunately doesn't go up. So, the CACFP picks up some of the cost for us. Okay. So they'll give us, like, a reimbursement program for, like, the low-income in- low children. So that's kind of nice. I mean, it's only like a couple bucks, but still it's something. It's something, yeah. Something towards our grocery bills and stuff. So it's not too bad. I like that a lot. I wasn't expecting that. That's that's a nice little fun fact there. 
Okay, so you're essentially done with lunch if you get one. Yeah. What's the rest of your day looking like? Um, doing paperwork updates, uh, tracking dentals, physicals. Um, sometimes I have enrollments that I'm meeting with family to do their paperwork. Uh, it could be anything from copying paperwork, distributing to where it needs to go, to making last my phone calls before I leave at the end of the day. Like I'm real into customer service because I think that came from like waitressing for so long. Yeah. That I just think it's rude that you never get a phone call back within a time frame. Yeah, absolutely. So I try very, very hard that if somebody calls or emails me, that I try to get back to them pretty quickly. So, I mean, I like I pride myself on that. Some people won't call you back for like two or three days. I don't do that. Like I try to do it within, sometimes before I leave at the end of the day. But if I can't, then it's first thing the next morning. Yeah. But I do try to like touch base and stuff. So that's usually what I do to the end of the day. <laughs> Yeah, and if it's the next morning, then you get the chaos of the next morning. Yeah, it, yeah it's you do what you can. Yeah. So, how much of your day would you say you spend in the office versus like on your feet and active, like doing uh, like hands-on type of stuff? I would. I mean, it's give or take a day. I would say fifty percent. Like some days, I'm stuck to that desk, which I hate. Yeah. Like I hate being stuck to a desk. Yeah. Just doing paperwork and like yeah. you're you're I'm literally doing either. paperwork after paperwork after paperwork and. Summer's kind of crazy for me. Summer is like a whole nother caliber. Yeah. Because it's literally, I could do 20, 20 kids a day enrollments, and that's a lot. And they take about an hour to an hour and a half oh, of wow. paperwork. So, like, summer is like, I always say right now, it's not that it's a low period, but it's a period of not nearly as bad as it can get. Like, during our summer is when all of our programs open and close. So, I'm trying to fill all those spots. And I literally sometimes would work 10-hour days just meeting with family after family after family. And at one point, you just get so burnt out. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, because it's like a revolving door. And mm. you can't get up from your t- – I can't get up from my, you know, my desk, and I'm stuck there, and I'm – you know, and it's just like constant, constant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can always edit it out. It's fine. I, I particularly love the episodes where I say, yeah, we're going to edit that out, and I leave it in. <laughs> makes me happy just something for me all right so um let's wrap this up a little bit um if you had just like a handful of pieces of advice to give to someone who wanted to get into this kind of field what would you say to them say they were you know in high school trying to start down this path well one thing i would tell them is extremely emotionally draining okay because you do get in, especially when you get close to families. I have a lot of teen moms. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of parents. I have grandparents a lot now. I would say my that percentage has gone up drastically for me that have custody of their grandchildren. In the past how long? Three years. I would say the past really? three years it's progressively picking up. Okay. Like it's progressively picking up. And that's definitely something that there's a definite need. There's no support groups for grandparents. Like there's nowhere for them to go and talk of that, about but... that. That's very true. I've never heard of it. And they're like dealing that. with their, these kids, and they have children. Usually the reason they have their kids is because their children are suffering from drug addiction. Yeah. And that has taken a whole other level for me. Yeah. I've had probably at least seven parents that have OD'd. Two was in mom and dad both OD'd. Oh, wow. And left a little girl by herself. So grandparents had to step in then. Yeah. So it's usually the reason, you know, why kind of that happens and stuff. Like, it's really sad, the things that I 
see. That is that is a shame of it because in my head I'm like, all right, some screwball teenagers have kids and then the grandparents step in. Teen, but like, teen moms are like the best. I know everybody complains, yeah. but like I'd rather have a teen mom. I'm a, I always say I'm a big fan of that than having a 25 year old mom who's a crappy parent because nine times out of ten that teen mom really does want to do what's best for her child. And she's going to listen. Like, yeah. if you offer her help, and we do have teachers that will teach them how to be a parent. That's like, they kind sweet. of, like, walk them through it. Yeah. And, like, this is what you do. This is how you do it. You know, kind of thing. But teen moms really, like, that's, like, my, I always say that that's, like, my sweet spot. Them and grandparents. Just because I know that they really do want help, and they'll take whatever I give them. Yeah. But, yeah, like, the grandparent thing is very hard. Because you can tell they're, like, six years old, and they're trying to deal with these kids. And they're exhausted. Yeah. You know? I mean, and, yeah, when you you did the job and you raised your own kids, you're yeah. like, I'm done. Time to spoil the grandkids. Like, uh-oh. Yeah, and they're living with you 24-7. Yeah. You know? So it's really hard. Okay. But I would say um, it's emotionally draining. Um, you're going to work a crazy schedule if mm-hmm. you don't like keeping. If you want, like, a Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 5 job, it is not it. Mm-hmm. It's not it by any means. Um, and... I mean, honestly, you have to, I would say if you're definitely going in this field, you better go for your master's because you're not going to make any real money unless you go for your master's. Okay. And that's um, obviously the more money, but what kind of avenues is that going to? You could do counseling from, you could be a counselor separately Uh and you could keep your own schedule, work for yourself. Uh There's a lot of benefits to that. If you can go for your master's, I mean. The first couple years from I did look into it because I was like, well, maybe I'll do this. I'll be a family counselor because that would be awesome. I looked into it, but like the first couple years, you kind of more or less have to work for someone else and you're not really getting paid. Yeah. Because Pennsylvania has a weird licensing part to it that you have to have so many hours in counseling, even though you're not really getting paid. So you have to do that in order to apply for your license. Yeah. But if you wanted to do it, that would be great. Or work for the state. Because at least a state, if you can get your foot in the door, you can, like, move around and stuff. Okay. I'd say that's pretty good advice. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think. All right. Solid. Would, um, you have any other stories that kind of stick out before we get into the fun stuff? I'm trying to think. Because <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine that there's there's no story. With all of this talk of domestic violence and, and or I not, mean, or not, I don't, I don't know if you even said violence, but d- domestic issues. Yeah, domestic and, issues. Sex in the well, parking had, lot. And... Well, one the one thing that goes hands down was probably very... Well, and I like... I don't know. I just don't get nervous. People put me in situations and I just don't get nervous. We... It was... I was on a home visit with a girl that I was training to take over the center that I was leaving to go to, you know, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to do it anywhere. Um, and there was a drug deal going on in the house as we were doing the home visit. So it was awkward. And she was very young. So she didn't have a clue what was happening. How how obvious was said drug deal? Um, pretty obvious to me. Okay. <laughs> like, but I mean, not to her. For some reason, she like didn't have a clue what was happening. Okay. I mean, I saw like the guy had a gun on him. Like I could tell by the way his shirt hung mm-hmm. when he came in. I could hear. It's weird because I always say when you go into home, make sure your senses are heightened mm-hmm. because you don't and set very close to the door. Yeah. Because you don't know what's going to happen when you go in these homes. Like, you don't know what you're walking in on. Yeah. You don't want to get boxed in or... No, you don't. You always want to be close to the door. I always try to, like, maneuver myself close to the door. So, like, it's an easy exit. But I could hear conversation. It was... 
uh, so she's like asking questions and I started listening more because I was like, something, this is weird. And then I started noticing like he kept running up and down stairs and they were running in and out. And then I was watching and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's weed. And then I was like focusing a little bit more. So, and then I heard an argument. And so quickly I said to the girl, I was like, I, I'm like, we got to get out of here because, like, I mean, I don't want us to get shot. I don't want her to get shot. So we're sitting there, and I, I was like, oh, my God, I, you know, I got a text. We have to head back to the office. We got to go right now. And she was like, oh, okay. And, like, she, you know, we get in, and we start driving back, and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, did you notice the drug deal? <laughs> like, I like, did you not notice that? And she was like, I had no clue. And so, like, I was scared for her because I'm like, this is a, it was this is a rough area. There's certain streets that are rough and that mm-hmm. you're known to not, don't go in them alone. Yeah. Um, but I said to her, you have to pay attention to what is happening. Like, you have to listen. You have to almost have, like, three years. Like, you're listening to what they're saying, but you're listening to everything going on to you. I go, you don't want to be in the middle of that. Yeah. But then we had to, you know, we had to report it. Of course. Because it was a drug deal going on with children in the home. I mean, that was, like, the most eventful, I would say. Like, the scariest thing that I've ever been in. And I was like, we need to get out of here. Like, as quickly as possible. Absolutely. And, and just bringing that up alone, we totally just blew through the, the home visits at all. We didn't talk about Home that. visits so, are scary. Okay, let's, okay, let's let me tell you what. This, okay, so home visits are scary. Not all. Some. Um, some families, I, I can usually tell by the parent, because you when they enroll in our program, they're supposed to be there for no more than 60 days before they receive a home visit. So, and I do take the teacher with me as much as possible. There have been times where I have not been able to. Either I'm comfortable with a parent or I see if I can get someone from the office to go with me. I don't like to go by myself. You just never know what you're going to go into. So, we go into the home and every caseworker, every FRS will tell you there's a candle burning somewhere. It's because they're trying to mask a smell of some sort. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's either urine. It's either (laughs) urine, a cat smell, like dog smell. It's like dirty smell or it's drugs. So like yeah. there's always some kind of candle burning somewhere. Someone's coming over. Light that one <laughs> so candle we like, have. There's always, it's like a joke. We all say it's like a joke. Like mm. there's the candle. You know how many of you had a candle? <laughs> um, <laughs> so usually you come into a house where it's like that. Um, sometimes you go into a house that's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Like you will literally walk in the door and you, it is disgusting and it's sad. And you'll see garbage everywhere. I mean, there was a home once I went in. There was seven bags of garbage literally open Mm -hmm. in the room. And the couch had no cushions. And it had a big hole burned in in the back of the couch. And I'm trying to think what else it was. Me and the teacher were just like, I didn't sit down, obviously. It's like sometimes when you go in there, I just don't sit down. Mm -hmm. Or look for something wooden. Because at least wooden (laughs) doesn't have, like, bed bugs and stuff on it. Yeah. Um. That's a good tip. And um, <laughs> so, like, I look for that, and I, I mean, it was just, I couldn't focus on what was going on that I need to talk to her about because it was so bad. And sometimes you have to be that person that says, like, what is going on? Like, why do yeah. you have garbage in your house? You know, especially with three little kids. Now, do you say that? Yes, I say that. Okay. Not everybody does. No, that's what, that's what I mean, because I imagine <laughs> so, there's a level of sensitivity when you're in someone's house, and you're yeah. like, hey, what's with all the garbage? No, I have to be like, I'm sometimes mean. Like, I always say, my, my goal is I, I'm here for the safety of your children. So it is uncomfortable. Like, I will tell you, it's not like the easiest thing to say to someone. It's also uncomfortable to call someone out on their drug addiction. Like, I've, I'm yeah. like, there's something going on. You're lying to me. Like, I can I can see what's going on here. But 
you have to say it. And it's really uncomfortable position to be in. But I'm like looking around. And sometimes I'm just so like taken back. I'm like, I can't believe that you you knew I was coming because it's never a spot check. Yeah. Like they sign up for them and mm-hmm. they schedule them with me. So you know that I'm coming and your house looks like this. Why? Like, I mean, why does it look like this? Do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. like it shouldn't look like this. And there's programs. There's called Healthy Homes that will come in and help you clean your house. But, like, your house should not look like this. You have three little kids running around in this and there's garbage. Like, at least take the garbage to the garbage can. Is there a reason you're not doing that? Like, Yeah, I mean, that's insanity but let's let's go back a little bit with the say you you do one of these home visits and the parents obviously high yeah how is that situation handled well i, I call them out I well, yeah I, you call them out and then ha- what i will say listen there are programs and sometimes i'll say off the record even though it's still on the record but i'll say yeah. off the record you if you just tell me what are you doing like what are you on you know are you doing heroin because heroin's big mm-hmm are you, you know, is this weed? Like, what are, you, what are you doing? Crack, cocaine, what are you doing? And some of them will fight it. And then I'm like, listen, I can't help you if you don't help me. Like, tell me what's going on and then I can help you. And I always say to them, if you think I'm not going to report this, you're crazy because I am. So you can either go through treatment and talk to me and I can get you in some kind of a treatment program. Or you can choose to keep going this route and lose your kids. So you tell me what way you want to go. Well, that that's kind of what I mean by like... You're at the home visit. They're obviously high. Yeah. You've called them out. You yeah. offer to you know get them yeah. involved in a program or something like that. But once that's all said and done, do oh, you I just watch them le- like a hawk. Okay. I <laughs> that watch was my question. Like, is it do you leave and then just report it, or do you have to get someone involved? Or? Well, I give them the information. I always have the. Usually, I bring stuff. I suspect things sometimes, so I bring stuff with me. So I give them the information, and I'm like, we need to do the following things. Okay. Um, and I. I do come back and I document everything. If I don't see, if they don't, and I tell them they have to see me the next day. I have a parent, I had one parent that was suffering pretty bad from um, bipolar and depression, the point where she had black paper on her windows. Hmm. Like, and it was dark in there. It was dark and really, really messy and dirty. And I mean, when me and the teacher walked in, I was like, oh my God, what is going on here? And she was obviously going through like an episode like a manic episode and i did have to report her because i was like listen i have to do what's best for your children and this is not what's best for them yeah yeah. so sometimes they hate me like they'll say they hate me and i and that's fine i'm not you know imagine a lot of that comes with the territory i had someone threaten me i i've seen a lot of physical abuse and i've had parents like lash out at me about the physical abuse i mean bad physical abuse like burn marks on children and you call them out and they say what to lash out to you the, the I'm a liar, that that's not how it happened, or, you know, that that oh, didn't okay. occur with their child, even though their their kid said it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had them threaten to follow me home, you uh-huh. know, and, you know, okay. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, I don't know. I don't get, like, really intimidated by anybody, because I just think it's just their first reaction. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, yeah, like, ultimately, it's what's best interest of the kid. Yeah, which you've is got hard. all these guard dogs here doing great yeah <laughs> well i'm just not into i said i don't know if it's because i like i i did grow up kind of tough like i grew up not necessarily like in an easy you know like an easy neighborhood like i grew up tough so i'm not like intimidated by a lot it's good so it's kind of worked to my advantage where you know and i think they know like i'm not gonna joke around like i'm not joking like yeah. they can they know when they made me mad mm-hmm. like parents can tell when they push me too far like i'll do a lot for you 
but they can tell when they push me too far because then I'm like, well, I can just make your life suck. And then yeah. usually I do. So like I usually do and stuff. But it's really sad. It's sad. The physical abuse is really sad. That's the hardest is the physical abuse. That's, yeah. But most of what I hear from people that are in those kind of home visit type of situations, yeah. that those are the roughest. Yeah. Just having a be there and not necessarily be able to do anything right that second. And That's the hard part. Yeah. I mean, I like I said, you make partnerships with Children's Bureau. So there are some caseworkers that I'm on a pretty close relationship with that I'll reach out to them. I'll be like, hey, can you look into this? Like, I reported it, and it's pretty bad. And they know that I'm not – they know I know when it's bad. Yeah. Like, they – That if you've said it, you're serious. And I know that it's bad. And they usually are like, okay, you know, I'll see what I can do and stuff. But, I mean, it's, you know, little kids that are getting beat, and that's just not – okay and exactly but sometimes people don't know any better either like you know they don't know that they can't smack a kid in the face with you know whatever you're like oh i didn't know so then you refer them to parenting classes <laughs> or stuff like that but yeah you've seen i've seen some like really crazy stuff sad sad crazy stuff sometimes you go into home and like this year's been really bad with like i said how people don't have anything mm-hmm. we went into this mom's home um, she's awesome. She was like a great, great parent, brings her kids every day, works, literally went into her home and there was no furniture, like none, like none. We walked in there. There was a broken table up against the wall with two seats. And then there was this couch, like from the sixties or seventies, like the one with like wood on it and the leaves, you know what I'm talking about? Like clearly an old, old couch that everybody's grandparent has. And it was like a love seat, not even the couch. And there's like four kids in the house. And I was, and I looked and I started thinking as we were talking, she had never asked me for anything. I knew that there was something going on because I had to give her kids jackets. Like they never came in with jackets. So I got them jackets and she never said anything to me. But when we were in the home, I looked around and I noticed I didn't see any toys. Like I thought that was weird that I didn't see any toys anywhere. And so we were in our, as per our conversation, I was like, hey, is there anything like you kind of need? like the services that you need. And she was too proud to like tell us. And it took me and the teacher to keep coaxing her. And I'm like, then she finally admitted she had no beds for her kids. They were sleeping on blow up mattresses or sleeping on the floor. And they had no toys. They had like this little tiny box of toys and that's all they had. And so four kids had a tiny little box of toys and that's it. So, you know, I came back and I started collecting stuff for her, like toys and clothes and, you know, you name it. I got for her and stuff like that. Now, did this um, situation turn around? I'm just trying it to did. end on a happy note. No, <laughs> it totally I mean? did. It totally so, did. So, uh, we were able to get her, like, I, I put a thing on Facebook first. Okay. Everybody reached out to me and said, I have this, I have this, I have this. Um, I got clothes and toys immediately for the kids. And, I mean, some nice stuff, too. You know, like, mm-hmm. stuff, some people had toys that weren't even opened. They said, oh, let yeah. me just donate this, you know, for these kids. And then I was, we had appliances here that we had had that we weren't using. So we just donated that. And then I was able to get her a couple beds, you know, that we're still working on two more beds, but at least right now, all the kids have a bed. So that was positive. And we were able to get her furniture. So like she does, I mean, it takes time, but I was able to get stuff. Like the most important thing was we need to get these kids clothes. Okay. We need to get these kids clothes because they don't have any clothes and they don't have, you know, I mean, they need stuff to play with. I know people think toys isn't a big deal, but, like, can you imagine as a kid you don't have anything to play with? Yeah, anything at all, yeah. So, like, you know, and the kids are awesome. They're probably, like, the sweetest kids you'd ever meet. So, 
we were able to take all kinds of stuff to them, which was kind of cool. That's what's nice. And I deliver Christmas gifts at Christmas time. So, like, that's a happy part. That's what I mean. Like, the, the, that nice, fulfilling, like, Yeah, like, I go to people's homes better. and I'm like, here's some Christmas gifts. I have some families cry because, like, you know, they didn't have the money for them. You know, and that's kind of like a nice, I don't know, it's like a nice thing. Yeah. We've bought gifts for kids. We bought jackets for kids. Yeah. You know, it depends what I have to get and where I can get it. So. Uh-huh. Happy moment. Yeah. <laughs> Happy stuff. <laughs> All right, let's get into the fun stuff, and okay. we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that, because that was very sweet, and uh, it was a good, <laughs> good place to, to end the day. After all the beating and yeah, the drug addiction. Yeah, you know, to leave people happy at the end of the day. <laughs> um, we already covered your breakfast, but do you have, like, an ideal breakfast, like, if you could have anything? Um, I don't know. I'm thinking probably if I could have anything, I don't know. Like, you're on vacation, you go nuts. Maybe like I would probably eat like crepes because I oh, like yeah. crepes, like That's stuff nice. with something, but I don't normally eat that stuff. But yeah. Well, yeah, but if we're talking. I would probably know. eat that. Okay. Uh, what's the best advice you ever got? Oh, for my mom. Sure. Okay. She always said, and I tell, and I even like say this all the time to people. Never be very careful to never burn a bridge. So if you leave a job, whatever you do, make sure that you give a two-week notice and be do not be a jerk to everybody involved. Do not be a jerk to everybody involved and leave a two-week notice because you never know when that person or those people are going to be the gateway to your next job. Yes, that is So like I've always advice. stuck with that. No matter how much it was like a crappy job, I've always given a two-week notice. Mm-hmm. And Good. just been a decent employee. Perfect advice, especially for this show. Yeah. What movie do you think you've seen the most? Oh, Wizard of Oz. Okay. That's easy. Solid. What's your biggest fear? Um, well, to die young. Like yeah. to die early. Or and die of something painful. Yeah. 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 It'd be awful. Yeah. On that note, any candy in the world, what would you have? Uh, I'm trying to think what my favorite is. Oh, well, just Hershey chocolate. I like Hershey's chocolate, believe it or not. Okay. Like, that's my favorite. Like, I don't I don't like any peanuts and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just have plain Hershey's chocolate. Yeah. I don't usually grade these answers, but I'm going to give that a C. <laughs> you think that's Hershey. bad? Hershey's plain Hershey's bar. <laughs> Get out of here. All right. <laughs> um, you have a childhood hero? Well, there's two. Like, there's famous and there's non-famous. How about that? Let's do both. Well, I would say the non-famous is probably my mom and my grandmother, just okay. because they were single women. Um, you know, my mom, I grew up without a dad, and my mom, my great-grandmother, her husband died early. Oh, and they okay. were able to accomplish a lot, being a single parent. Yeah, nice. And then famous would be Madonna. <laughs> yeah, big Madonna. I fan. just love Madonna. I just love her. I always say there's days Madonna wakes up and she doesn't want to be Madonna. You know, when people complain about their life, I'm like, you don't think she gets up some days yeah. and she just doesn't want to be Madonna? <laughs> so, like... Yeah, totally. Um, what kind of soap do you use? Um, goat's milk soap. Fancy. It's good for your skin. If uh, I gave you a thousand dollars right now, what would you do with it? probably adopt a lot of dogs <laughs> oh, yeah. um i don't know i would maybe take a trip i mean before i probably would have said paid off bills or whatever mm-hmm. put money away 
But now I would probably take a trip because it takes more than that. To well, yeah, just a nice do little, anything fun. Yeah. yeah, a nice little something. What about at eighteen? You gave your eighteen-year-old self a thousand dollars. I probably would have bought myself a car. I had this awful little car. My brother's a mechanic, and I bought it at an auction for a hundred bucks, and. It was the scariest car ever. Like we always had to put water in the in the radiator just to make it go. Wow. <laughs> so like I probably would have bought myself a car. What was it? What kind of car was it? It was a Chevy Cavalier. Oh, it had right. been rolled and so like the sunroof broke. So they put in a plexiglass and then they put tar around it. Oh, so every time brilliant. it would rain, I would get rained on. <laughs> so, like... Excellent. Excellent. Um, do you have any pet peeves in general? Um I hate liars. Okay. I'd rather you be honest with me than not tell me something. Mm -hmm. And not telling me something is the same thing as lying. Yeah. Say so. <laughs> so like... Fair enough. We didn't get into any of that about the job, though. I usually like to touch on pet peeves about the job. Is there anything just... Pet peeves about the job. Yeah. Just something that are like... People really who don't again? follow through with appointments. Like, yeah, for the love of go. God. If you're not coming, send a call, text. Let me send know. Send me an email. It's so rude. It's just... And then being late. I hate that people are always late. Why are you late for everything in life? Yeah. Like, they'll come, like, a half hour late, and they're surprised that you're, like, you can't meet with them anymore. And I'm like, I left you five messages. You know what I mean? Like... There's some of those people that could never, never be on time. Ever. Yeah. It's a, I don't know, That's a personality pet, that, trait or that what? That is, but... like, pet peeve is definitely being late not or not coming and not letting you know. And then probably, the, I would say the other one is, is just thinking that, they're the only important person that you have to deal with right then and there. So yeah. like I, my biggest thing is people will walk in while I'm talking to someone and they might be crying in my office. They'll literally open their, open my door, walk in and talk to me about their schedule while someone's telling me about how their dad died, you know, or yeah. something like tragic. And I'm like, really? This couldn't have waited 10 minutes. That's insane behavior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Back to this though. Um, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Um, uh, I don't know. Like, I I feel like I'm kind of in a pivotal moment. I would you like are. to have, like, a farm. A farm, okay. Believe it or not. Um, I would like to do something with, you know, growing herbs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Having my own fruits and vegetables. I don't know if I would still be in this field, to be honest with you. I mean, just because I'm good at it and I like that I like and I sometimes am passionate about it, I feel like I'm kind of going in a different direction. Like if I, in a perfect world, I would probably go to school to be an acupuncturist. Okay. Like I've looked into it, but like there's no good schools in this area. That's They're what I was going to say. all in New York. In New York. Well, how long, how long are your classes? Like it, it is like going for nursing. Oh, oh And it's okay. two years, two, like two, two almost three solid years of like, Intense work. But it's something I'm really passionate about. I'm really passionate about holistic medicine. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. It's strange that there's nothing like that around here. Yeah, there's here. nothing around here. But... We have looked into it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, either way, you got a good answer. Uh, tipping custom. Um, I was a waitress. Mm -hmm. so that's why I always love to ask. You better tip. Okay. Yeah. So if you think that job is so easy, then you get up from that table and you do that job mm -hmm. because it is not easy. And even if your food comes out late, that's not her fault. That's the kitchen's fault. Kitchen. So let's put the yep. blame where the blame needs to be made. But they still make their hourly wage. So I would say at least 20%. Okay. If you're not happy with your service, say something. Like yeah. say something to someone. Plus you don't know. Maybe they're having a bad day. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just might be having a bad day with 
they can't get this or, you know. Or there's usually an explanation. Yeah. For something. Not just like, oh, I, I didn't get the service I wanted. I'm not going to tip. Yeah, I hate that. I mean. Ridiculous. Waitressing's a very hard job. You should tip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you cheating on my cards here? This is what she's talking about. You look puzzled. Like that old couch. Like grandparents had that couch. I like when I was five, we had that. Yeah. Yeah, I got my ex girlfriend that couch from someone who was throwing it out. Yeah. <laughs> she just put it on her porch, and it was just a great porch couch. Yeah, but like that's what usually they have if they have nothing. Yeah. You know they have that couch. Like I always talk about that horribly uncomfortable couch. <laughs> oh, they're super uncomfortable. <laughs> so, like... They just like very like cool old look. I like that vintage look a lot, but yeah, they're not. Not practical by oh, any means. Fun. <laughs> what are we talking about? Where are we at here? Um, what's something you wish you learned earlier? Patience. I wish I learned patience a little earlier. Um, I'm trying to think of like something else. That I, like I, I just think some things you don't... I, I wish I could go back. I wish I had hindsight. Like I could have seen what was going to happen, I would have probably taken a totally different path. And that sounds sad because I've helped a lot of families, yeah. but I wish I like thought about things a little bit more or just was a little bit more of a dreamer, I guess you could say. Can you elaborate a little bit? Well, I think as you, like, I always felt like I couldn't be much of a dreamer. Okay. Maybe that's the reason I didn't pursue music. Yeah, I, I, you know what I mean? I became real like steady. I wanted to be stable and steady. Mm -hmm. So I wanted something that I, that was going to be like a guaranteed income. But, like, I feel like that's something that I lost along the way. Like, you know, when you're young, you think there, there's anything that you can't do. And as you get older, responsibility creeps in. Mm -hmm. So, like, I feel like I lost the dreamer part. And that's something I so, wish I had. I okay. wish I had. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the patience has part to... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. a lot of patience. Um, childhood celebrity crush. Mm, Mark Wahlberg. I used to love Marky Mark. Marky Mark. And the Funky Munch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Someone who's still around too. We don't get those usually with the um, with the childhood celebrity crushes. Now he doesn't look so good. I mean, but he did back then. So like, <laughs> oh, let's see. One thing you'd change about yourself. I'm very judgmental. Would you change that though? Yes, I would. I think sometimes I'm a little too quick on the draw, and I'm always like, like I have conversations with myself. You need to not be like that. Because you don't know someone's circumstance. But I'm very quick to judge. Like, the moment I'm with somebody, I'm like, mm, yeah. Like, I already I already know what they are. I know what they're about. I know what they're going to do. And I'm very, very quick to judge. That's something I would honestly change about myself. And I, like, I can fly off the handle. Like, when I, have a, when I get frustrated, I have a temper. And he will tell you that. Like, when I get frustrated, I will fly off the handle very quickly. Okay. Let's see that one. I get it's the the judgment thing. It's just like I, I kind of think that's a good thing sometimes. Maybe not to outwardly project that, but yeah. just to have it in your head and kind of I feel like it's assessing a situation. True. More so true. But sometimes I become so cynical from this job. I've become so yeah. cynical. So when people tell me stories, sometimes I'm like liar, liar, liar. <laughs> like I know that they're lying, and like and like I haven't dug anything up. But normally the yeah. digging it up confirms it. Mm -hmm. But like they'll be talking, and as they're talking, I'm like they're lying completely to me. Like none of this adds up, and none of this even sounds like it legit happened. You know what I mean? And so that's bad. <laughs> Okay. And I do that with people now, not even yeah, just yeah. at work. I'll be like, just they're a general. liar. You yeah. know what I mean? Look at this so liar like... buying groceries. What a liar. 
<laughs> like <laughs> you didn't have a coupon no you didn't have that coupon uh, all right uh where are we at here hardest time you ever laughed oh i'm trying to think well there's this <laughs> recently anytime whatever. there's this little clip on youtube of a little girl <laughs> Her mom's like, why are you yelling? And she says, because I shit my pants. And I just think it's the greatest thing. It makes me laugh every time. He goes, really? He played it for like 11 days in a row. And I would still break into laughter about it. I just thought it was so funny. Like, I don't know. I love when people fall. Like, I will be the first person to laugh like real hard when they fall. That's excellent. I love it. I love it when it's a good, simple answer like that. Awesome. Um, Guilty pleasures. Any guilty pleasures? <laughs> <laughs> well, TV, reality TV. I would say right. I'm really bad with that. I had a feeling with the podcast that yeah, you know, reality TV. I'll watch one like usually goes with the other. Teen Mom, you know, Pitbulls and Parolees. I'm trying to think of the ones that I like watch, and it's kind of crazy. Um, and you, I'm sure you know. The polygamist. Or oh yeah, the Sister Wives. Sister Wives. Yeah, it's on TLC. Like okay. I watch like. And I don't, I'm not proud of that. Like, I don't want to go in and tell somebody, like, I watch Teen Mom, you know? And they're like, why? You know? But, like, no, I, I, <laughs> so, like, unfortunately, I would say reality TV is probably, like, the worst guilty pleasure. Okay, that's good. What type of music do you like and why? I like a variety. Um, probably, I would say, I'm trying to think, like, what I really like the most. Yeah, just I like some pop. favorites. Yeah. Like, I obviously like pop because of Madonna. Um, and I like pink. I like okay. to listen to pink. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff that I've listened to. But I listen to country, too. Like, well, there's certain artists that I just genuinely like. Yeah, here's always my dividing line. Because, like, when people say country, it's like, what kind of country? Um, old country, like Good uh, Hank William Jr.'s, you know, Dolly Parton kind of thing. That's what I like. Dolly's great. Yeah. It's, it's just like some people, like my sister likes this, this all this new country. It's like, where, where is this yeah. coming from? This music is terrible. No, I like like the older stuff. Yeah, like the I can appreciate stuff like that. Yeah, you yeah. appreciate that stuff. It's good. Um, what's something you're bad at? I don't know. I'm trying to think like, I'm kind of, there's things I'm bad at. I just don't do them then ever again. <laughs> so like, I'll just be like, mm, I'm not really... I'm not really. I I hate like aerobics, like okay. dance aerobics. Mm-hmm. Like I just hate it. I despise it. I don't like. I'm not coordinated enough. <laughs> okay. I don't like. Some people are like into it, and I I get I get embarrassed, so I just won't go and do it. So I would say like that. I'm just not okay. really coordinated. That's so. fair enough. Uh, yeah, here. Uh, do you have a <laughs> sleep routine or any kind of like rituals that you have to get to sleep? Um, humidifier. I like noise. Mm-hmm. So, like, the humidifier actually serves two purposes. It's for Megan and the noise for me because mm-hmm. it helps me go to sleep. Um, I like, well, the dogs give me, like, because I go to bed earlier than him because mm-hmm. I get up so early. So the dogs cuddle with me, and I love that. Like, it makes me feel secure. So mm-hmm. then I usually go to sleep pretty fast. Um, you know, I'm trying to so think. you got this guy shaking his head here. What, you add What's something? my other sleep? Oh, yeah, talk. I... yeah, talk. Okay, so there's the humidifiers going. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> then there's this thing that sprays some kind of stuff in the air. Diffuser. On, <laughs> diffuser. Okay. Like, I don't know, different <laughs> scents or whatever. There's a, a Himalayan salt. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then sometimes there's a fan. So there's four things running. Yeah. And then the dog, like, I don't know. He can't handle it. But the diffuser helps me relax. 
because I have a hard time sleeping. So like the diffuser, we put like at lavender. Okay. Sometimes I, and I will tell you this, the best tip I could ever give anyone to keep down on sickness is get a diffuser and get on guard. On guard? Like the... Um... It's doTERRA. Doterra on guard, you literally put two drops in a diffuser, and I'm telling you, builds your immune system. Because, really? like, when everyone's sick at the center, like when the flu was running rampant, I put two drops in every single night, and I didn't get sick. Interesting. So, like, I always say that. been sick, yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, I, I and he, and like, if, he, if someone's sick around him at work or something, or if there's a sickness going around, I put it in, and it really does boost your immune system. So, like, I buy the essential oils for that, too. That's nice. Something yeah. to look into. Yeah. He complains, but he gets the benefits from it. <laughs> yeah, but he hates all of it. Because the first thing he does is he turns the Himalayan light off. <laughs> he can't handle the Himalayan light. And I'm like, it's bringing positive energy into the house. <laughs> I love it because I'm just thinking, for, for the listeners, the guy I'm sitting next to here was the, uh, the postal carrier who was talking about not sleeping and pacing around the house. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just a nice little tie-in I thought if you listen to both you're gonna be like oh I get it now it's all making sense <laughs> look he had to chime in with that too he's like can I talk it's good it's good stuff um, alright this is the last one here um, if you could do anything what would you do I think we kind of touched on it but just yeah. in, in your in the infinite if you could do anything even something completely impractical what would it be i would probably do music i mean that was my first real love yeah. i would probably do that i would be some type of a performer i'm not i'm not saying like a like a madonna or pink or anything like that i'm saying like even like even like a broadway show or something like that and sing or like an opera or something like that that yeah. would, that kind of thing and if i couldn't do that then i would do an acupuncturist like i okay. would do that yeah, sweet. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks for doing the show. This Thanks. is fun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He's pacing. <laughs>